Multiple hurdles. We just talked about it. The uh, Wi-Fi would not cooperate at, in Indy at Lucas Oil. Then the, the amount of time we spent putting some stuff up after media days was maybe more than we thought or just, I don't know. We just we wanted to get a bunch of stuff put out in a timely manner. And then yesterday, holy shit, man. <laughs> you had uh, all hell broke loose. You had quite a you had quite an ordeal, man. But down, yeah, uh, mid Michigan, southern, all over the state, really. And you lost power for a while. Yeah, well, you know my favorite movie is Twister, right? There so, you when, go. so when the weather takes a turn for the worse, like I'm in my element, man. I'm out there like checking the cloud angles and the rotation and try to get a sense of where things are going. So I am that dad in the memes when when the storm comes into town. I'm out there, kind of, you know, just gauging what's going on. Uh, yeah, we're, we're texting last night about what's going on, and I sent this to Chris for everybody who's watching. I know the podcast listeners won't be able to hear it. Tornado sirens go off. It's <laughs> exactly every, what it was. <laughs> every Midwestern dad everywhere standing yeah. out by the yard staring at the sky. I mean, that dude, honestly, that picture could. When I, I sent that picture, I sent that picture to my family's group chat, and my, my mom was like, When did you take that picture of dad? Like, yeah. it, literally, it literally looks like my dad, like yeah. almost to a thing. Yeah. So that is funny. Well, glad everything's good. Power's back on. We're ready to roll. We're going to jump right in to it this was a funny discussion question you said you don't remember that i was going to do this but we did have a we did have a mini discussion about this while driving who would you rather play football for pj fleck or scott frost yeah i've had some time to to let this marinate a little bit and uh i'm going pj fleck and and i will say that neither is ideal Right. I, yeah. I would prefer I would prefer not to play for either one of them. But if I had to choose between like like high energy Chihuahua <laughs> level type energy or like a dude who looks like he couldn't get out of the room fast enough and, and you know, little personality, I would go with uh, I would go with the high energy. So I'm going PJ Fleck. I'm rowing the boat. Yeah. Ski Mago Gophers row the boat. That's right. We talked about Chris and I are in the in the process of getting some audio equipment ready so we can have some drops and some funny stuff. And I can tell you what, PJ Fleck is going to be one. This is a miss. Yeah. This is a Michigan website broadcast podcast. But <laughs> dude, he was such a he was just like a walking gimmick, dude. I mean, I I, yeah. I mean, we talked about it quite a bit that it, it doesn't it doesn't fe- it's not it's not forced on his end. But like you can't you can't help but feel a little bit like what the hell is this guy doing? Like is this all this is all he does? He's just like one trope after another, one like slogan, one weird one weird gimmick. But but I'm I'm with you. I think I would rather have that than yeah. than the opposite, which was Scott Frost who was up on uh you know, he's like I'm super excited. I'm just so excited. Like he's falling asleep while saying the word excited. I'm like, is he looked like a guy that wanted to be anywhere else, but big 10 media days. So, you know what I, I mean, everything I've ever heard about Scott Frost is that he was the, like such a fiery competitor as a player and yeah. that he really gets after it as a coach too. It did. It didn't look like that at media day. And like, again, that's a, 
that's a do- totally different setting. And those guys, that, I mean, they're kind of out of their element in that setting. I mean, they're football coaches. They're not public right. speakers. But, right. you know, when, when you when you think about that guy being up in front of your team, I feel like, you know, some of that must come through. I mean, I don't right. know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're amazing in the locker room and it's a totally different feel. And if you ask the players, you know, candidly, like, listen, I don't want you to defend your coach because he's your coach. Like, what do you really think? Maybe yeah. they would have great things to say about those guys, but I tell you what, man, up on the stage, you, me, and Josh, uh, by the way, Josh Taubman, big shout out to Josh student at Michigan writer for the Michigan daily. He's a hockey beat guy, but he's going to be helping us out this fall. He tagged along and, and we had a great time and he did a good job and he was going to go live with us. I think he was pretty excited about that when we were setting up in Indy. And then again, the, the Wi-Fi didn't cooperate. So anyways, yeah. shout out to Josh for helping out, but you, you, me, and Josh had a, a lot of a lot of yeah. fun talking about these coaches, and especially PJ Fleck and Scott Frost were a, a big a big focal point for us. Yeah, and like and like we were talking about before, I you know, given how Scott Frost conducted himself when you know when the Big Ten you know postponed the season due to COVID, and you know Nebraska and 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 Scott Frost in particular was pretty outspoken about like we want to play football, we'll go somewhere else, we'll go to another conference, whatever yeah. the case is. You would have thought that after that whole dust up, maybe he would have showed up to Big Ten media days with a little more um, uh, feeling incentivized to be a little more, you know, just engaged and and enjoy the experience. But that clearly wasn't it. Or maybe that's just him, and that's that's what Scott Frost looks like at um, you know at an event like that. I'm not sure, but like like I said, they weren't getting ready to run out of the tunnel. They weren't they weren't gearing up for a big game. So I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna put a lot of stock in what it means as far as like their ability to coach the game, but just yeah. you know, personality wise watching it from where we were, you know, yeah. I don't know. Neither were ideal. Like you said, we'll leave it at that. All right. So that's Minnesota's coach. That's Nebraska's coach. How about, how about Michigan's coach? How about Jim Harbaugh, man? You know, I mean, a lot of people know where I stand on him in terms of what he's done as a coach and what Michigan's level of success has been, or, you know, where they're at in year seven. I, you know, I, I think he, should have been should have been removed last year. I haven't been shy about that. It's not personal. I don't I don't dislike him as a as a human being. I just don't think he's been quite good enough at Michigan. You know, the record against Ohio State, the bowl record, the you know, the, the culture, which we now we have confirmation that the culture was busted. I've been saying yeah. it for a long time. A lot of people didn't want to hear it, but it it was obvious and it was clear from what I was hearing from players on the team and other people involved that there was a culture issue. And Josh Ross and Aiden Hutchinson. They they very clearly address it. I don't remember if Hassan Haskins got into it as much, but yeah. I know Ross did, and I know Hutchinson did. It's confirmed, yeah, without a doubt. So, so that's that's what it is. But I'm, I'm telling you what, man, and I tweeted it after we left there. I thought that was one of just Jim Harbaugh's best media appearances that he's ever had. I, and I, like, you know, pe- people were like, "Well, someone must have hacked Brandon's account." He's, you know, I, I I'll say what I think, and that's what yeah. I thought. Does that mean they're winning every game? That's not what I'm saying. But something felt a little different, and I know you saw it. I mean, I talked to, to Bruce Feldman. He said he felt it. It was yeah. kind of like the buzz coming out of there that something was was afoot with Jim Harbaugh and just his energy and everything about him. Yeah, I mean, well, well, first, I just want to say go blue. Um, and, uh, <laughs> freaking you know, guy, he, uh, <laughs> freaking yes, guy. Jim Harbaugh was... I mean, he was in good spirits. He was glowing, I guess, if that's a word. He, like, he dude, looked dude, look better. He looked yeah. healthy. Like, he looked like he was, he just, 
you know, we've seen him at different events and especially like towards the end of last season, like we've seen him in press conferences where, you know, he just looks like a deer in the headlights where he stares at the camera. He doesn't know really how to answer questions. There's like long, uncomfortable pauses and he trails off. There was none of that at Big Ten Media Days. I mean, he was sharp. He was on point. I think the message that they were putting out there was really good. It's clear that they're has been some internal discussion about how they're viewing this season. Cause you, you heard a lot mm-hmm. of the same things like from Hutchinson and from Harbaugh. Um, but yeah, man, I, I thought, you know, like you said, I don't necessarily know what that's going to translate to on the field, but you know, with where we're at in July, it was really nice to see him show up and just be sharp and engaging with the media. And I, I enjoyed the experience. It was, it was nice to be able to participate in that. He was he was funny at times. Yeah. He was forthcoming with information. He said some more concrete things than I, I remember him doing in the past. He was very clear about Cade McNamara. Yep. He was very clear about three of the five starters along the ens- offensive line. He was very, very clear about the running back room and the fact that we'll see Donovan Edwards. He, I mean, he just he said things like the linebackers. With, yeah. Yeah. With certainty, with certainty yeah. about specific guys. And that's that's also different from what we've seen in the past. You know, I. I, there, there. It's like everything. I mean, we, we've learned. You've learned this now, Chris, doing this job for a while. And it's like you put something out, and no matter what it is, like you'll have a group that loves it. You'll have a group that hates it. It's the same right. thing. It's just about how it's received. And some people thought that him talking about his trip with his daughter and the the the, the, the corn on the cob thing that he did was like, what the hell is he doing? No, beat, beat, beat Ohio. I'm like, dude, no, that's like. That's amazing. Like he he's he's in good spirits. He's like you said, he's sharp. He's in tune. There's none of the like staring up at the sky. Like he would do that in press conferences in the past, yeah. or he would get offended. He 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 even kind of like took a shot at himself for getting offended about the Ohio State gap thing before. He's yeah. like, Was that you that asked that question? Yeah. And he kind of <laughs> laughed it off. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know, man. He had a different feel, he had a different vibe, he had a different energy, and it was it was good to see again. I'm I'm still at seven and five. I'm not changing anything based on a press conference, but it was really encouraging. It gave us some really good stuff to talk about and write about. And I don't know, man, it just, it made me feel, it made me feel like it put me in a better spot coming right. out of there than I maybe thought I was going to be in going in. And that's, yeah. I think that's awesome. I was I really, see I, was I, really do, happy I, could, about it. I could see it in you, man. You were teeter tottering. <laughs> you know, we, we went to dinner afterwards and you know, you were, you were, I don't know. I felt like you were willing, you were starting to move the needle maybe towards eight wins, you know, <laughs> you might get to nine and then, and then, yeah. and then you came crashing back down to earth shortly thereafter. But what I will say is, um, I think what we saw at big 10 media days from the players, from Jim Harbaugh, um, lends credibility to what we heard coming out of like spring ball, where you heard a lot of the players say, man, it just feels different. There's a different energy. And it's like, okay, well, they're just saying that. And then you go to big 10 media days and you're around, you listen to a guy like Aiden Hutchinson saying like, I'm willing to die for this. And of course it's hyperbole, but this, this guy, you can tell that he, his mindset is just exactly where it needs to be. Jim Harbaugh, we're going to, we're going to beat Ohio. We're going to die trying. Like I've never heard him say anything that forceful when it comes to Ohio state. And clearly there's more emphasis being put on that rivalry, which, which leads to a whole other set of questions. But the bottom line is, you know, everything we've sort of been hearing coming out of spring ball and kind of what's going on in, in Schembechler hall. It, it, I could see that when I was around those guys, I felt that I think everybody that was there felt it. And, and we talked about this, like, if they don't go out and, and put together a really solid season, like I'm going to sit back and scratch my head and think like, man, what was all that about? 
that Big mm-hmm. Ten media days. What was all this energy? Because it certainly didn't materialize. But right now, as it stands today, I feel very confident about nine and three. And that was what I, you know, that was what I predicted. And and I'm sticking with it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty quick that week two game that we've talked yeah. about a thousand times against Washington is really gonna be the the fork in the road, the the tipping point, the deciding, whatever you want to call it, whatever cliche phrase you want to come up with, it's just going to be, it's going to be so big in terms of what the rest of the season looks like, in my opinion. And and you're right, dude. I mean, if they come out in that game and they stomp all over Washington and get a big win, I'm going to lean back on some of these things that they said and be like, okay, like, it wasn't just talk for once. It was legit. Yeah. There's new leadership. There's a new focus. There's a new mentality. And it looked, it looked like it on the field. And on the flip side, if they get beat at home by Washington, I'm going to say, what it was all talk. What the hell was all that about? How right, can you say right. that and then do that? And that's, that's what that week two game is really going to be for me. And I know we've talked about it a lot up to this point, but hearing them talk about it, like we talk about the season in general and the preparation and the work and how, right. how bad they want it, all those things. We'll, uh, we'll get a chance to see that pretty quick. I mean, Western Michigan in the opener. I mean, I, you know, you hope Michigan wins that game handily, but we'll, we'll see, but it's really, man, it's so much about that week two game against Washington. You mentioned Ohio state. That was something we talked about with a lot of the players. We even talked to the Ohio state players about that. We'll have something up on that later today. Um, You know, mixed feelings about it a little bit. I think Uh, Michigan, you know, whatever, however you want to say, taking things up a notch in terms of how they're viewing Ohio state and preparing for that game. And I've, Honestly, man, I've never really, I've never really subscribed to that line of thinking much as 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 much as a lot of people did that that Michigan, that Ohio State took it so much more seriously that by the end of the season they were just way more ready for it. I just think like by the time you're playing your twelfth game, like you're you're the team you are, right. and I don't know, man. I, I I go back and forth on it a little bit because clearly the results have been what they've been. Like Ohio State has been whatever more prepared better more talented uh less mistakes better execution i mean all of the above but it was it i i did find myself thinking like wow man it's jim jim harbaugh's seventh year and and now like you're right. you're taking it more seriously and you've got another level to the rivalry like why was it already not on 11 like i i just yeah so i don't know i i find my i found myself going back and forth on that a little bit that was one of the things i talked to bruce feldman about put that article up this morning and you know, he said, he said, like, I felt it. It was cool to see Josh Ross getting pumped up and he's clenching his fist, but they're still not going to beat Ohio State. And like, that's, you know, that that's a guy who's not, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. He doesn't care. He's a national guy. Right. He's not a fan of either school. It is what it is. So I don't know what I, I just wonder, like, if you kind of thought about it the same way I did back and forth, important, not important, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there, there's one of two ways to look at it. You can look at it and say, yeah, I mean, he's entering year seven. Like, why the hell are we just now or why are they just now in, in a place where they're going to take it more seriously? Um, or you can look at it like, OK, I'm glad like like everybody has been asking, like, why don't you talk about it? Where, like, where is the motivation? And and we're seeing that now, right? Like they're talking about it openly. We're seeing the signs in the weight room. You know, Aiden Hutchinson said like, you know, basically that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like they are doing a lot of things related to Ohio state that he wasn't even willing to talk about. So it sounds like there's certainly a renewed focus there. Um, I, I, I do wonder, 
you know, because Harbaugh is sort of, I don't know if you want to call it his mantra, but, you know, throughout his first six years in Ann Arbor, it's always been the next game is the most important game. And that's sort of been the mentality. And I think that has traditionally pissed off a lot of Michigan fans because they they don't view it that way. Right. Um, and, And Aiden Hutchinson even said, as I'm preparing everything we do, no matter who we're preparing for, Ohio State is always there on my mind. So it was nice to hear stuff like that. I do wonder how much the new look coaching staff has played a factor in the, the renewed focus on Ohio state. Like you have a guy like Mike Hart now walking around at Schembechler hall who played in that rivalry, who, you know, I, I, Mike Hart didn't get a win in that rivalry. Correct. If I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think, I think I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think Hart or Henny got, a, got a win in that rivalry. If I, if I remember correctly, but in any event, you have a guy who was there, who was intense by all accounts, who, you know, maybe is sort of helping facilitate more of that emphasis on the rivalry. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but it, it's clear that they are, uh, you know, they're choosing to put a little more focus on it. So Ron Bellamy too, another another former Michigan player. So two two assistant go, yeah. coaches added to the staff who played in it and were a part of it. And maybe maybe that is what it is. And they've got the, you know, the new uh, the new poster, new graphic, whatever you want to call it, up in the weight room that wasn't there before that made some rounds a couple months ago. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, back and forth. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a ton of stock in what that means in terms of the performance in the game. I st- everybody still thinks and knows that Ohio State's the better team, more yeah. talented, and and that honestly, like, I don't I don't remember I don't remember hearing Jim Harbaugh say some say things about Ohio State being so good before in the past either. I mean, he said he's like, yeah, they're they're at the top, they're on the perch, you know, they're yep. they're the, they're the, they're the king. You no, know, they're the big dog. Whatever, whatever phrase he used, I know he said they're at the top. They're on, knock them off of their perch or something like that. He said yeah. so. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you can't ignore it. You can't just dodge it and and act like you don't know. Of course, they know Ohio State's really good. Like it's, you know, of course they know that. But I don't know. Like yeah. I said, a little bit of back and forth in my own mind about whether that was a big deal or not, or if it's something like, why, why is this just now a thing? Cause we, we are, we're not there. We're not in those rooms every day. Maybe they have been, you know, just, just force feeding it every single day for the last six yeah. seasons. And it just hasn't turned out that way on the field because Ohio state's better. I don't, I don't know, but it did seem to be a little bit more out in the open than in the past. Yeah. And, and it might be a combination of, you know, like we talked about, or you talked about in the opening that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross, but you know, both guys alluded to, you know, culture issues, like things Mm -hmm. not being right in 2018 and 2019. So if you combine, you know, maybe some culture issues, not necessarily, you know, an intense focus on Ohio state to me, I don't think it's one thing or the other. It just Mm -hmm. sounds like, I think that in hindsight, the biggest thing that was surprising to me was like an acknowledgement that things haven't been right and that it feels like they're right now. Like that, that's what I gathered from big 10 media days. There was an honesty about, Hey, you know, this thing hasn't been going in the right direction. We feel like it's going in the right direction now. And it's July and they're talking about how they're preparing and thinking about Ohio state. So by the time that last week in November rolls around, there should be no question about whether or not there's been enough importance and emphasis and, and time put into Ohio state, because we know they're actively preparing for it now. So we'll see what happens in November, but it's, it's, you know, you'd rather hear it than not hear it. I think that, I, I think that's a good where a good place to leave it. I think you'd rather hear it than not hear it or, yeah. or rather hear what they said instead of that's just another game on the schedule. And we've heard that in the past. And I'm like, what the right. hell are you talking about? No, it's yeah. not. Nobody yeah. else says that. Nobody else thinks that. So I'm with you. You'd rather hear it than not hear it. Well, we both talked about Aiden Hutchinson a lot. You were actually 
So there were three of us there, you, myself, and, and Josh, and then there were three players. So Josh went with Hassan Haskins. I went with uh, Josh Ross, and you went with Aiden. And, and we got you know some great some great quotes, some great, great sound clips and a, a level of intensity that like, I mean, like you said, he literally said, I'm willing to die for this because he, you know, yeah. he, was, he was injured last year. I mean, the, the maize and blue runs through him maybe more than anybody on the roster, just given his background, his dad, his family, you know, every single person in that Hutchinson household is a Wolverine by affiliate, by not by affiliation, by official account. They all went to Michigan. They all bleed it. They all love it. And it, you can you can see it. I mean, it was yeah. it was palpable from him. He's beyond ready. He's and it's more more than being ready. I mean, the kid is a a beast, man. I mean, yeah. he's he's huge. He's athletic. He's slimmed down a little bit. He's ready to play that stand up linebacker position. He's going to be in coverage. I mean, doing and like people might think that's kind of crazy, but like it's not, man. He was a phenomenal tight end in high school. He's got good hands. He's a good athlete. He knows how to play the ball. He's better in space than you'd think because of how big he is. I just, I, I think he's about to blow. I think he's about to blow yeah. in 2021. I really do. It sure sounds like it. Like, like you said, I was standing over there listening to him talk and, um, you know, there were just certain questions that he would be asked about and he would answer them and you could just, you could tell like a switch was flipped mm -hmm. and he'd get this look in his eye and this, you know, this smirk on his face, like almost like this sinister smirk, like he is just chomping at the bit to get back to it. And you're right. I think he is, you know, he is on the verge of a monster year. And I think a lot of that is going to be due to this new defensive scheme. Now we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but you know, Aiden acknowledged he's going to be everywhere. He's going to be all over the field that, you know, an offense isn't necessarily going to know where he's lining up from, you know, from one play to the next or one series to the next. He seems really excited about it and listening to him talk about it got me excited about it. And I think that's been something that has also been frustrating in previous years, when you look at a Don Brown defense and you look at these studs like, you know, Pay and Aiden Hutchinson or Rashawn Gary, like why aren't these guys just feasting out there all the time? And maybe that defensive scheme wasn't a good fit for those guys. It seems like, and, and we knew about this when we were talking to players, you know, getting ready for the NFL combine that the guys that were going pro wish, I don't know if, wishing they could have stayed another year is a good example, but said another year in this defense and they felt like they would have ate more than they probably ever had during their time at Michigan. And so I'm excited to see it again. It's all talk, but these guys are being asked these questions. They have to give these answers. Mm -hmm. They don't have to give the answers that they're giving. So it seems like everybody's really high on what this defensive scheme is going to be. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to be unpredictable and it's going to allow somebody like Aiden Hutchinson to do far more than he was able to do in years past. It's funny the three guys you named, Quiddy Pay, Rashawn Gary, Aiden Hutchinson, they all played the anchor position in Don Brown's defense and their job was to eat <clears throat> eat blocks, set the edge and and not get beat outside and not get too yeah. far upfield and you know, because of the zone read stuff, because of the option stuff. I mean, that's like you're you're giving someone a Ferrari and telling them to go 20. Like yeah. that, I mean in some of those cases. And so I, I know that was I know I know Rashawn Gary left Ann Arbor not super happy with how he was used and, and you know the lack of production. And we've seen it now for three, <clears throat> two and a half years with Aiden. He was hurt last year, obviously for most most of the season. But freed now, he's freed yeah. up now, and he's going to be moving around. And you expect him to you know not only rush the passer off the edge, but maybe even blitz from the second level. And you're talking yep. about a six six two hundred and seventy pounder who can run. Yeah. Um. 
I'm I'm with you, man. I'm anxious. I mean, I've been saying it all all off season. I'm just really anxious to see how Mike McDonald's defense looks. I'm not I'm not ready to say that he's going to be the best coordinator in football. He's never done it before. He's a young guy. He's gonna he's gonna certainly have some some learning some learning experiences and some bumps in the road. But I, I like the idea of them being multiple and moving guys around more. I mean, when you think back to how Aiden Hutchinson and some of those other guys were used in the years past, it was like they were in one spot all yeah. game. Maybe yeah. they flip, maybe they flip sides, but even, even that's not, not that hard to game plan for. And I know, you know, there, there were some, you know, there was the cheetah package or the NASCAR package or whatever you want to call it, where Aiden would maybe bump inside a little bit, but that's still, that's still especially in those three guys, Quiddy Pay, yeah. Rashawn Gary, Aiden Hutchinson, the size, power, speed combination that they all three had, it right. it, it, it seemed like it was wasted. Well, even of- look at a guy like Josh, Josh Uche, right? Another I mean, one. I, I yeah. think that's another guy who got to either got to the combine or after he was signed. I remember there were NFL executives that said, like, how the hell did this guy not produce more at the University of Michigan, right? So how, how the hell was he not on the field for every exactly. play? Exactly. So yeah. I, so I think that my hope is that we don't hear any more of those stories coming on Ann Arbor, right? Like we want to see that production here. Like, I think it's great if these NFL guys are like, man, these guys are super talented. They're going to do a lot here for the organization. That's all fine and good, but it's got to materialize here. And I'm hoping that this new defensive scheme, um, you know, really does that for, for everybody, even for guys like Dax Hill, who, you know, I think another guy, you talk about a guy that's primed for a big season, everything we hear coming out of big 10 media days and coming out of spring ball was that Dax Hill is, is doing things on another level. So hopefully this, defense allows those guys to eat let's stay on the defensive side because there was one name that popped up multiple times i think jim jim harbaugh aiden hutchinson and josh ross all unprompted i say unprompted i wonder sometimes because you get such similar such similar answers like do they you know in in route to indianapolis or chicago where it's been in the past do they have like a pad in front of them we're like we're going to talk about this guy we're going to say this is one of the lines we're going to say that I, i don't think they do that but it's it is pretty crazy how similar some of their answers are sometimes, but it's also like if you believe in some things and you say them a lot, like they you, they just they they soak in and and guys yeah. guys can recall and lean on those those things. I I I really don't think it goes that way with individual players. I, I just don't. I don't think that's part of it at all. I don't think they have one conversation about like mention this guy a lot. Don't mention this right. guy. I do not yep. think that happens. I think some of the mantras and some of the you know, some of the the concepts and the overall themes of what they're doing. I do think some of that is coached up a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, but even even that's, you know, I, I think if you're doing it every day, you're saying it every day and you're hearing it every day, it's naturally going to come out when you're asked. So whatever, however it comes about, it comes about. But Mozzie Smith, Mozzie Smith is the name that, that all three of those people, Jim Harbaugh, Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Ross pulled almost immediately when asked, you know, who's a surprise guy or who's somebody on the defense or who's this, who's that. Or I think Jim Harbaugh was maybe asked about Jordan Whitley, the transfer from Oregon state about how he might be able to help at D tackle. And he said, yeah, but don't, don't, don't sleep on Mozzie Smith. You know, he came in, his body was big, thick, strong, changed his body around. This is a guy I saw multiple times in high school who could, I mean, he could wreck a game. He could wreck a game in high school. And then sometimes he wouldn't, it'd be like he wasn't on the field. It was kind of a, a really weird, I mean, the talent was clearly there, the size, the strength, all of that stuff, the athleticism, but then you'd see it kind of disappear at times in high school. So I always thought yeah. like, man, if that's happening in high school, I just don't know what you're going to get out of this guy in college. And what have we got? Like nothing so far, right. you know, two years in, he's barely played. 
but his name his name was was brought up multiple times and with with vigor like with energy like people yeah. like josh ross was like mozzie smith mark it down like he was adamant about it i don't know exactly how aiden said it and i know you know harbaugh talked about him quite a bit too so i i you yeah. know go back go back to what aiden said you were over there with him energy you know what what can we i guess at this point what's your expectation personally what we'll see out of mozzie and we're gonna have him on tomorrow by the exactly. way so well be- that's that's what i was gonna say is you know same thing aiden said you know this guy's been putting in the work he's getting bigger faster stronger you know obviously he's going into his third year and there's an opportunity for him to you know to to snag a starting spot on that d line and you're right we haven't really seen you know he was obviously a, a highly rated recruit coming out of high school but we haven't really seen anything from him during his time in michigan so you know after hearing josh josh ross after after hearing Aiden Hutchinson and after hearing Jim Harbaugh, I'm like, shit, we got to get this guy on. We got to talk to him because I want to know, you know, what he's been doing. I want to hear from him. Obviously that, you know, the team um, and the coaching staff feels very confident about what he's about to do. So yeah, as soon as uh, actually why we were in Indy, I, you know, reach out to Mozzie said, Hey man, you got to come on. We got to talk. And uh, he's going to come on Monday and we're going to, you know, kind of wrap about what he's got going on. But it certainly sounds like he's ready to have, he's another one of those guys that's ready to have a breakout year. And I would love for it to happen because like you said, in high school, he showed that he has the ability to be dominant. You know, typically if you've got that ability, it stays in there somewhere. You just, you know, you got to wait for your opportunity and uh, you know, hopefully 2021 is his opportunity to do that. Lord knows the, the Wolverines need that depth on the defensive line. So I, I'm hoping that that is legit. Yeah, you've got, as I mentioned, Jordan Whitley, who we, you know, we haven't seen at Michigan, obviously, but he did some okay things at Oregon State. He's big. He's way bigger than any of the other guys, you know, in the the neighborhood of 350, where guys like Mozzie, Chris Hinton, you know, 305, 310, but but more athletic, more agile, got a little bit better of, you know, more of that athletic build. So there's some guys there. Um, you know, again, this new scheme, how are they going to be used? What are you going to ask them to do? Um, you know, if you're talking about a three, four Mozzie and, and Chris Hinton aren't really the kind of guy you want in the middle. You know, you right. want guys who can, you know, who can two gap and, and eat up the middle and really stuff the stuff, the run and and also put pressure on the quarterback up the middle. Most quarterbacks will tell you that's the worst place to get pressure from. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see. I mean, if, if you want a guy who can make a play up the middle of the field and make tackles for loss and get after the quarterback a little bit. That's your Mozzie Smith. That's your Chris Hinton. If you're looking for a guy to stuff the middle and take up both gaps on the side of the center, that's Jordan Whitley. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they're all used. And again, it's nice to hear a, a name that we haven't seen anything from. And, right. and, and, you know, if the expectations are there and again, like, like you said, they're asked these questions, but they don't have to answer them the way that they did. Nobody, uh, would, nobody yeah. said, how's Mozzie Smith been doing? That's what I was going to say. You like, know. It, it's clear he's doing something because all the guys that were there said, Hey, Mozzie Smith, you know, so, so whatever he's doing, it seems to be working, catching the attention of the teammates and the coaches. And and like I said, we'll talk to him about it Monday and hopefully it materializes on fall Saturdays. Cause I, I would love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. I would too. He was, and, and like I said, he was, uh, I saw him a couple times in high school. He's a cool kid. He's got a cool personality. Um, and like I said, I've, I've seen him wreck a game. I mean, that's high school. That's, that's not playing, you know, it's not playing the interior defensive line in the big 10, but still right. like the talents there. If he's, if he is bigger, stronger, faster, reshaped his body, then he's, he's got the tools. So I'm, I'm anxious. He's to at see Michigan that. for a reason. Absolutely. And he, and like you said, he was wanted. I mean, this was a wanted guy. He could have went yeah. to a lot of big time schools and a lot of big time programs. And he, he picked Michigan and we just haven't seen it yet. And so we'll see how that turns out uh, in the fall because 
Sounds like guys are pretty high on him on offense. I talked about Jim Harbaugh being very forthcoming with some information and, you know, giving some concrete statements. And one of them was about Cade McNamara, not, not really a surprise based on what we had heard about spring ball and that, you know, he was better and he's been in control and he's his leadership and this, that, and the other. But I mean, Jim Harbaugh straight up said he's our starter. Yeah. Like, I mean, as black and white as you can get, he said, Cade is the starter. Now Bowman, Alan Bowman, who we're also going to have on the, on the stream later this week, uh, just got there and hasn't really done anything with the coaches yet. Obviously he wasn't around for spring ball. He doesn't, doesn't have the timing figured out with his receivers yet. We'll, you know, we'll see what comes out of fall camp here starting on August 6th. But, uh, earlier in the year, I thought it would be Bowman. I really did. I, I looked yeah. at his resume. He started a bunch of games at Texas tech bunch of, he's got a bunch of stats. He's been productive and, and, Kate hasn't. I mean, it was it was really that simple for me, and now I'm I'm not feeling that way anymore. But again, maybe a lot can change here in the next three to four weeks when Bowman's with the team and in practice right. and going through the offense. But the way Jim Harbaugh talked about Kate McNamara and he he did one of these like he's not he's not letting it go. He did something you yeah. know kind of like that when he talked about JJ pushing him because McCarthy's obviously very talented and he's kind of up next. But Kate, man, sounds like Kate's QB one. It, it does sound like it, and I, I've gone, I've gone back and forth on this a little bit because when I heard him say it, I was like, "Wow, that's big news!" But it, you know, I guess in hindsight, it should be expected, right? He's he's been with the program the longest. He's got the most game experience of anybody on the roster yet, and Alan Bowman has not thrown a pass in, in an official practice at this point. So I. I would expect, I guess, Kate McNamara to be leading, you know, the race going into fall camp. Um, but yeah, man, it sure sounds like, you know, it, it's not just the fact that he's leading it, but you listen to, you know, the way Harbaugh talks about the fact that he's bringing other guys along with him and he's showing a sense of leadership. And you listen to Aiden Hutchinson talk about it and, and how Kate is sort of just the rock, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's keeping things together on the offense. And so, it, it sure as hell sounds like Cade McNamara is going to be the starter in fall, but you and I have talked about this a lot before. Um, I, you know, Alan Bowman chose Michigan for a reason. I'm sure he had other opportunities to go elsewhere. Um, and he chose Michigan for a reason. We're going to ask him about that on Wednesday, but I get, I'm guessing one of those reasons is he wanted to come here and play football. He wanted to actually play in the game and be that guy. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to make for a real interesting fall camp and 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 Harbaugh acknowledged that you know even though it doesn't seem like Cade's going to give it away JJ is fighting him for that so so you add Bowman into the mix it kind of sounds like Valari's role within this this mix is is already been determined right he's going to be like this hybrid guy used in sort of a different way I don't think he's in you know legitimate competition to win the starting job but you're going to have three guys in this battle that. By the time fall rolls around week one against Western Michigan, it could be any one of those guys. I won't say I wouldn't be surprised. I'll be surprised if it's anybody but Cade, but I won't be like, I don't know. I won't be blown away by it. But at this point, I expect Cade to trot out week one. And and we put up an article about this. You you put a, you put it together a couple weeks back about starting JJ. And and you're, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a big a big faction of people that think you just you know, given where the program is right now, Harbaugh's record through six years, and you know what what might happen after this year or throughout the season. Just give the keys to the rookie. He's talented. He's going to be the guy at some point down the line. Just just let him go. That's a that's a lot to ask a young kid. It, but I I don't 
I don't hate the argument. I, I yeah. don't because I, I, you know, I don't think Cade McNamara is a world beater. I think he's a he's a good quarterback. I think they can, right. you can win, you can win with Cade McNamara if the rest of the team is, you know, better than it was last year. But and maybe with Bowman too. I, again, I, I just you know all you can see is highlights of him from when he was at Texas Tech, and it's completely different. The opponents yeah. are different. The venue, the offense, the the, the personnel, everything's different. So it's hard. To, it's hard to really say what you're going to get out of him at Michigan, but. I don't know, man. The, the quarterback thing is, I, I mean, that's got to be storyline number one going into the season, is it not? It, it, it has to be. And here's what I would say. Um, you know, if, if you had to choose, Brandon, let's say you had to choose a team that goes eight and five or even nine and four with Cade McNamara mm-hmm. or six and six and seven and or whatever it is, six and six, seven and five with J.J. McCarthy. When I'm looking at those two seasons, I get more value out of J.J. McCarthy starting than I do Cade. Like, if you're going to start a guy like Cade and you're not legitimately competing for the Big Ten championship, which I don't think they're going to do this year, then I just I don't place a high value on it. Like, yeah, it's a good season. Like, eight, nine wins is great. But if you're not bringing home trophies, if you're not bringing home hardware, it's just a you know, it's just a win total and it doesn't really do much for me. So because I don't think Michigan is in a position to legitimately capture the big 10 title this year, I want to roll the dice on the freshman and I want to plan for 2022 because it's likely you're going to be sending a guy to Columbus. Who's a first year starter in 2022. That's, that's kind of how it feels to me. I don't think JJ McCarthy is going to sit for too long. You know, you're going to have there, there is, let me put it this way out of the group that is currently there in 2021, that group will not be there in 2022. You're going to have some movement. You're going to have some guys that are, that's, that's just the nature of the way this thing is going to go. There's four quarterbacks there that want to play and four quarterbacks aren't going to play. So I, for me personally, I would like to just see Harbaugh plan for the future, get JJ out there. I, I feel like he's the guy for the future, but if they feel that strongly about Cade and they feel like he can get them to that place you know, that last week in November where they want to be, then, you know, it's kind of hard not to be there, but then you've got Bowman who hasn't even thrown a ball in practice yet. And so it's, it sounded like in big 10 media days that things have been decided. I don't think things are as nearly decided as, uh, you know, it seemed at big 10 media days. It it is a tough, tough idea because I think, and, and let's, let's talk about this too, right? You and I have talked about this offline, but Given the fact that Jim Harbaugh has really lived and died on transfer quarterbacks, you know, Jake Rudock, Shea Patterson, even John O'Corn was in there. Like those guys were sort of running the show. Um, do you think there's a head there's gonna be a hesitancy from Harbaugh's side to pull the trigger? Like if if Bowman is, you know, one or two clicks ahead of where Cade McNamara is at. Do you go with another transfer quarterback as your starter and, and, and risk throwing a wrench into, you know, we talk about that sweat equity and some guy, you know, yeah. a guy that's been there with the team. I just, I don't, I'm struggling to see a scenario unless Alan Bowman just destroys Cade McNamara in competition that Cade isn't the guy week one. I, I'll say it this way. I, I just think you, I think because, because of the uncertainty of college football and especially like Jim Harbaugh, the, the contract deal and the buyout deal and whatever that might mean moving forward and just sports in general. I mean, I've been, I've been around sports my whole life. I've never played at a high level, never coached at a high level, but I have never been at a, you know, a practice or a, a preseason getting ready for a game, like at a place like Michigan. I mean, not even close. And most, most people have it. 
but right. I do feel like when you're when you're in that situation and you're coaching and you've got your team, you've you've got a guy who's the best, and that's who you go with. I I, I don't I just think like. I don't think you can bank on like, well, it it stashes a little bit for us for the for the for next year or two years. I just, who's the best guy? Play him. That that's it. Yeah. That that's that's where I'm at for me. And I think that's I don't know if that's how all coaches think. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that there's not some value in getting a guy like JJ some real reps and some you know some comfortability and some some uh, some chemistry with his guys and control and command of the huddle and right. a live situation that might be better for him down the line. I'm not saying that that's not the case. That probably um, that's almost certainly is the case. But I just think you're here. You're in the here and now. Who's your number one guy? That's that's the guy. I don't. But I don't you, care. I don't care if he's transfer. I don't care if he's been there. I don't care if he's a freshman. I don't care if he's a fifth year senior. I don't care if he's a walk on. If he's the when you when you put your guys out there, and th- this again, th- it might be a lot. It probably is. Not might be. It's probably a lot harder at Michigan. Than like when I coached middle school basketball, because right. like everybody's freaking good. They're all really good. They're all yeah. good. But I, I do think with everything that they have, all the film that they have, they watch the reps back. They've got analytics. They've got data. They've got, you know, literally like how the body is working. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. I think you get to a point where it's quite cut and dry who the number one guy is. Sure. That, that's who you play. That's but the see, guy. What, what's, what's interesting, though, is even if, you know, whoever the the best guy is whoever it is they end up playing you still got him at seven wins right so 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 Mm -hmm. even if if playing the and that's where i'm coming from if playing the top guy still means seven wins then i want to play the future guy and i'm okay with you know i'm okay with five or six wins if if, if i'm planning for the future let me back that up i guess i guess i i answered that incorrectly and maybe i just didn't i don't think they're better than seven wins with anybody i think they could be worse with Right, maybe with a JJ who's not even close to ready and turns the ball over and is not moving the ball like Cade McNamara. Yeah. I just think that seven is the cap. I don't think any of them are good enough to to blow that cap. And I that's think, what I'm saying. So, like, if yeah. they're not if they're not going to eclipse seven wins, then to me, it's like, all right, man, let's let's well, let's get let's get the dude out there so that in 2022 we are returning JJ McCarthy with a but, year of starting under his belt. But that's just it—a five and seven, 2021 with JJ McCarthy and Harbaugh's probably in California sipping them, sipping them. No, see, next but Saturday. Then, <laughs> and, I wrote, and I wrote an article about this. To me, that's the insurance policy. I because think, it would be the new. Guy I think and, yeah. everybody in the fan base in general would would swallow a shitty season a lot easier if a true freshman JJ McCarthy was out there because you know that you're building for the future. If you've got a Cade McNamara out there leading you to seven wins, you're going to have a lot of pissed off people. So you might actually be in a better spot at five wins with JJ than you would be at seven wins with Cade. Tell me this is, tell me this isn't the best storyline going into the season. It it absolutely is because I think even if we're in slight disagreement on like what's, what's, what's better, what's smarter, what makes more like they're all, valid they're all like yeah. well everything you said i was like well yeah you know that's probably There's not a strong maybe. yeah i don't know if i'd do that but i get it i, I do get it in the, the the idea of how playing a different guy gets you a little bit more of a leash like that's yeah. it seems like off to me like I, internally i just think like no if you you win as many as you can even if it is only seven you better go get those freaking seven but you look, you look at the comments, you look at the I people know, on social media, there is a large segment of this fan yeah. base that wants to roll the dice on JJ. His recruitment was long. His recruitment was 
uh, I, what, what is he? He's the third highest rated quarter Michigan quarterback of all time and the highest in like the last 13 years. I thought it was second. I thought he was behind only Ryan Mallett, but maybe I'm Ryan Mallett and, and uh, Henson. Was he? Was I he think part so. Of that? Yeah, because I wrote an article. I, I think it was, okay. he was he's third all time highest over the last 13 years. But Michigan hasn't had a lot of guys like this. And mm-hmm. so, I you know. I don't know. It's he's here. It's JJ McCarthy. This is the dude we've been waiting for. And you see it, you see it elsewhere. Like you see it around college football. It's not unheard of. Like if you get a five-star quarterback, even if he's a true freshman for that guy to be starting and kind of calling the shots and given the way, here's another thing, given the way the quarterback situation has played out the university of Michigan over the last six years, I'm not, I I have no reservation about going with a true freshman because we haven't had any world beaters in Ann Arbor at that position. I want to throw up this comment real quick. How can anyone on the outside make an intelligent decision on the? I, I don't think we ever used the word intelligent. I'm, I'm just some guy talking. I don't We're know. just talking sports. It's like you know, instead of us sitting in our living room talking about it amongst ourselves, <laughs> we're talking about it with you. But no, you know, I we, mean, I, I get it. We're not in practice. Yeah. We're not seeing. But but like I said, they they are, and they have all those numbers. They have the analytics. They have the data. They have the the film. They have the 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 percentages the completion percentages how many turnovers how many t- they have it all i mean like yeah. the way that college football works now with with analytics and numbers is really pretty crazy it's not like well oh, jj had a pretty good day today let's give him a shot it, that's that's you yeah. know this isn't newt rockney back in the day like yeah give 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 him a shot give the young guy a shot like there's a yeah. lot that goes into it that's why there's 50 analysts working for every big time team and you've got you've got every resource possible so that's why i said like i feel like you could get to a point where you have a clear cut number one guy and you play him. And and that's just how I would make my decision. But look, I, I think there is a higher ceiling with JJ. I think he is the guy down the road. So those arguments are, they're right there. They're, they're right there for me. Yeah. I, I, I just really think like, especially given this situation, Harbaugh needs every win he can get. And, yeah. and I know, I know what you're saying and I hear you and I, I don't disc, disc, discount it that maybe the fans would be like, well, you did start a, I mean, Harbaugh could he could play Mozzie Smith at quarterback, and some people would be like, "I I like the decision. <laughs> I I like what Jim Harbaugh's doing. He's thinking." There will you know, be some people that will like whatever Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, does. I mean, so like, but you have to. I, I I do think at the end of the day, like you're trying to win games right now, like right now, and this isn't a rebuild. This isn't a new coach figuring stuff out in year one, trying to set some things for the future. Like zero seven, like. You know where I stand with that. I, I think. I mean, you're in the same boat with me, at least yeah. in, in terms of what Harbaugh's done and what he needs to do moving forward to keep his job. I think. I, I mean, I think we're pretty aligned with that. But I don't know, man. It, it, you, you could go back and forth on this one all day. See, all but day. this is this is why it's it's easier for guys like us on the outside to sort of speculate and talk about this stuff. You know, we're mm-hmm. not getting paid the money to make these decisions, but from the outside looking in you know, I think some of this stuff makes sense. And you can say, you know, you start the best guy for the job. Who's going to get you the most wins that year. But I I just look at this as a program. That's they're building something for the future. Like, I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen in 2021 and I want them to be best position for 2022 as they possibly can. And to me, that means JJ, but at the end of the day, whoever they roll the dice with and whoever, you know, Harbaugh pulls the trigger on, I'm obviously going to be pulling for that guy. And I want that guy to succeed. But I mean, think back, when is the last time you saw like a baller at the quarterback position at Michigan? Denard Robinson's the last guy I can think of. I mean, a guy who could like take the game over. You know, that yeah. wasn't Rudock, that wasn't Patterson, that wasn't Peters, it wasn't O'Corn, it was you know, it wasn't any of those guys. It wasn't Spate. 
So we haven't had that in a long time, man. And if Cade isn't that guy, then I want to just keep working until we find it. Just got to take a quick shot at a guy here, Michael. I'm sorry. I appreciate you listening. Appreciate the comment. But uh, said Cade reminds him of Drew Brees. Gets the job done. Not going to put up 400 yards and five touchdowns, but most of all. Yeah, Drew Brees leads the NFL all-time in passing yards with 80,000. So I'm not really sure that's yeah. the best comparison. But And we're basing that off of like a game against Rutgers. Because, and we looked at the numbers when we were back from Big Ten Media Days. You know, that second week after JJ earned – or I'm sorry, after Cade earned the starting spot from, from Joe Milton – based on what he did against Rutgers, you know, Cade came out the following week against Penn state. And before he got injured, you know, he was sitting, I think it was 12 for 25 passing for 92 yards, no yeah, touchdowns. Good, man. And, 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 and that was not a game that was going well for, for Cade McNamara. And then he had the one rush for three yards where he ended up getting injured and that, and that ended his season. And so, you know, it, if you're high on Cade McNamara and you think he's that guy, that Drew Brees type guy, like that's cool, but you're basing that entirely off of Rutgers. Two and, and a half quarters of football. Yeah. Or, or two I, and a half quarters of football against Rutgers and then a little bit against Penn State. Yeah. yeah it's not and, then a lot. A real, and then a real bad outing against an 0 and 5 Penn State team. So this is, go ahead. I was going to say, there's another comment just, here. Go ahead. Of kind yeah. of where, where my mind was. And, and I didn't think about it exactly this way, but I think it's important and worth putting up. You start the best player for the opener, cannot send a message out of the gate that you're preparing for the future. And that's there's some there's some sure. validity to that. I mean, if you're kind of like, you know, the, the players know they know who should be playing and, and, and you're going to have a hard time explaining to them like. We might not win right now, but we're going to get re- like that. You, you That's thin ice, man. You got to right. be care- you got to be careful with that. If Cade's clearly the guy. But everybody on the team knows, like, yeah, JJ is going to be really good. He's just not ready that ready yet or there yet. But you yeah. start him instead. Then you're kind of saying, like, eh, pack this one in. Sure, we'll, you know, your your seniors are not going to be on board for that shit. They're they're, right. they're that's it's it's tough. That's a that's a that's a fine line to walk and and some really thin ice to tread on. So I think that's a good point and why I why I say this. Who's your top guy? Go. That's your guy. That's your guy. It is, you know, it's a fair argument, but also being the top guy on a seven and five team doesn't do you that much good. And that's where I keep yeah, going back no, to, listen. you know, so there's, and, and anybody who's like, where, whatever side you stand on this, there are valid arguments all the way around. And unfortunately, this is the situation you find yourself in when you just haven't hit the mark at the quarterback position. Here we are for another year entering another season where there's a big question mark as to who's going to be the guy and how good is that guy going to be? And is that guy good enough to win a Big Ten title? Um, and, and and we just haven't seen a guy like that at the quarterback position in Ann Arbor for a really, really long time. So. I hope it's Kate. I hope, I hope that guy is on the roster right now. I don't know who it is. I hope it's Kate. I hope it's JJ. Hell, I hope it's Alan. I hope it's Valari. You know, I don't care who it is. I just want to see that guy at the quarterback position. And that, that is a good point that you make right there about the, okay, if it's the best player you got and he goes seven and five. So then you're like, all right, well, Cade, you just started all year. You went seven and five and now you're back again next year. And so is JJ and we're here, here, here we are again. Right. And now, and, and, and now what do you do heading into 2022? You know, you let him battle, battle it out again. You know, you got a guy coming back who started all year, who was a seven and five starter, the guy behind, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think that they've clearly got some decisions to make and we'll see how it plays out. But it's one of the, it's another reason why this season is so intriguing because you have no idea what to expect. We've mentioned all the names. So let's throw it up real quick. Who's been the best quarterback of the Harbaugh era? I'd go with uh, Rudock. 
it's probably Rudock. If I had to pick one to actually like play a season with, I, hmm. I think I'd go with Patterson. I, I really do. I think I'd go with Patterson. I just, man, I don't know. I, I, it's really tough. It's it's one of those yeah. two, though. I think right. It's Pat. It's Patterson or it's Rudock. I don't. Really well, know it's can... it's and 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 either way you cut it, it's not one that he recruited not, yeah, or developed. So that's that's not where you want to be heading into year seven. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, geez, man. Yeah, I think you could. I mean, you could do a whole episode just on this quarterback stuff. Probably we've spent a lot of time on it, but let's move yeah. on to the running backs real quick okay. before we get to a bigger picture and and, and close it out here. Um, the running back room. We've talked about. We've talked about. You know what? What's Mike Hart going to do? How's he going to use guys? Is he going to find a workhorse? Is he going to stick with one guy and then fill in where other guys are needed? Uh, we know we're going to see Donovan Edwards, Jim Harbaugh. One of his other concrete statements that I was surprised to hear him make. You're going to see Donovan Edwards week one against Western Michigan. Like he said it again, flat out. I don't remember if he didn't anybody... say at the running back spot, but he did say you'll see him week one. Interesting. That, that's yeah. So keep that Interesting. in mind. Yeah. But I don't remember. Did somebody ask him about Edwards or what was the, what did I, I think they there? were just, I think they were asking about the running back group and Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum and, and sort of that. And, and he, you know, he felt compelled to say, look, Donovan Edwards is, is right there and he is mm. as good at as advertised and you will see him on week one. And I could see the response from, you know, people within the media and the fans are like, holy, holy shit, here we go again. We're going to have the three running back rotation. Same thing. I, I, I don't, I didn't gather that from, from what he said to me, he was pretty clear that, you know, Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum are one a and one B and, and, and they're going to ride those guys. And, and my gut feeling says with Mike Hart in town, that if you got a guy that's lathered up, he's carrying the ball and he's doing well, they're going to, they're going to ride the workhorse for that game. Um, I, I don't expect it to be the type of rotation we saw last year, but it's clear that there is going to be an emphasis on getting Donovan Edwards on the field his freshman year, whether that's putting him in the slot and doing like a jet sweep and just giving him the ball and letting him sort of do what he does, special teams at the running back position. I don't know where it's going to be, but he's going to be involved year one for sure. Catches the ball really well out of the backfield too, or did in yeah. high school. So you, I mean, it wouldn't be nothing to line them up there and you know yeah. flare flare them out. Now you've got a, you know, bubble screen scenario or a you know a you know a crosser or whatever, whatever. However you want to get him in space and get him the ball, that's what you do because he's really talented and he's really fast. So I don't, I, I'm, I'd, I'd be curious to see if he's as fast as Blake Corum because that dude could go, and we saw yeah. it last year couple times he'd get the ball out in space. I mean, right off the rip, I mean, first touch he had against Minnesota, you were like, damn, like, you know, shot out of a cannon. Then I, I referenced the play where he got the corner against Michigan State a lot. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like he's the only back on the roster who can do that. Well, Donovan Edwards can do that too. I'm, I'm really think- curious to see how they kind of look, you know, on the field together, not at the same time, but I mean, just – you know who's who's got the explosiveness. I think they both do, but it'll be interesting yeah. to see how Don how Edwards looks in at this level because he was dynamic as a high schooler. I mean, like video game numbers in route in route to a uh, you know a state championship last he's, year. So he's the type of talent. Him, you have to have him on the field. You got to find a way yeah. to just get get the ball in his hands. It doesn't have to be complicated. He's one of those athletes where you can literally just turn around give him the ball and just let him do what he does. So I don't know if that's on special teams. Like I said, I don't know where he's going to line up, but it's clear that he's shown enough at this point that they feel that he's got to be on the field somehow, some way. Yeah. So that room is loaded and we've talked loaded. about Mike Hart. Um, 
you know, Mike Hart is a, is an established guy. He's got a way of doing his, doing his own thing. I, I really hope that he gets to, you know, I hope Jim Harbaugh doesn't meddle too much. I've heard a little bit about that in terms of, uh, you know, what, what he likes to do with that position. And maybe, you know, maybe it was more Jim Harbaugh than Jay Harbaugh over the last couple of years when it comes to the rotation and how guys seemingly disappear or not even used for, you know, big chunks of time. Like, you know, yeah. Out of the gate, Zach Charbonnet carries the ball 30 plus times. And then for a while, you don't see him. And we don't know if is he injured? Is he not? Like, why is he not playing? And then last year, he's not used very much. And now he's gone. It's like, okay, that's really strange. And then we, you know, the Hassan Haskins amazing drive against Penn State, you know, or yep. I think it was Penn State. 65 yards and a score on one drive and then literally doesn't play for two quarters. It's like, what the hell is right. going on? Like, and how, you get a how run, did that and happen? And you get a running back like Chris Evans. Where did he get drafted? What round? It was pretty late, I think fifth or sixth, maybe to the. I mean, but, still, but he got drafted. He, he got drafted and and yeah, did nothing. You know, and, and I'm not. That's not a knock against him. It just he wasn't on the field enough to like. To me, that wasn't an NFL draft pick. But those guys like saw him and they're like, "Shit, this guy can run the ball." So yeah, he went down he, to the to the Senior Bowl and was like, "Yeah, you know, guys couldn't guard him in space, and he was making people miss, and he's, you know, he looks like a damn superhero." And you're like, "Oh, we can use yeah. a guy like that," and yeah. yeah. So oh. you're, 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 you're hoping obviously that given all the talent they have in that room that, you know, they finally find a way to use, utilize it. And I think that that's been the issue for, you know, for Harbaugh and his coaching staff throughout his entire tenure. It's not, and we've talked about it a lot. It's not a lack of talent, but how do you utilize these guys? Are you getting the most out of these guys? And I think if you were to ask people, you know, to sort of reflect on the last six years, like does Michigan traditionally maximize talent or not? They don't, you know, they, talent is not an issue at Michigan. It's, it's coaching development and utilization. And so my hope is that this new coaching staff really, you know, helps Harbaugh out in that area because it's clear he needs it. He just, he hasn't, he hasn't hit that stride yet. He hasn't figured out how to use his personnel, um, in the best way. And, and that's unfortunate and it's really unexpected, man, especially at the quarterback position. Like I just, I didn't expect to be here entering year seven where it's like, you can throw your hands up and say, I don't know, man, it could be one of like four guys. Yeah. No, no hundred yard games for Donovan people's Jones, you know, an average of less, less than three catches a game for a guy like Nico Collins. We just yeah. talked about Chris, Chris Evans, um, you know, not even double digit sacks for a guy like Rashawn Gary, yep. uh, you know, not a single quarterback recruit has ever solidified the starting position. Like that's, right. that's weird in six years, you know, you like know, that's, Stat lines for Shea Patterson that can't touch his best couple of games as a true freshman at all. Miss, I mean, it's like right. you just go down the line, man, and it's it's there's example after example of guys just not being utilized the right way. You know, a guy like Joe Milton last year barely being part of the run game. You know, at yeah. at, at six five two forty with in runs like a four seven four six. I mean, like you know, you take him out to to do the wildcat weird. To do the wildcat it's just like, like in the goal, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's been a thing. And so now you've got Josh Gaddis in year three. You've got Sharon Moore helping out with the play calling. You've got a new running back coach in Mike Hart. You've got, um, you know, you've got some some different kinds of guys at wide receiver kind of coming into their own in year two and three for most of them. And we'll see. But, but we I, th see. I think I think what the, the, the key difference is, like when it comes to the quarterbacks, there's a lot of unknowns there with that running back room. That's about as solid of a position group as they have. So people should feel very confident about the talent that's there. The biggest question mark now is how are you going to use them? Like we know we've got guys that can do it and get the job done. That's a totally different animal than, than some of the other stuff we're seeing at some of these other position groups for sure. They're loaded there. 
finishing up the big, uh, the biggest elephant in the room over the last day or two, the conference realignment. And I'll right out of the gate, I will say I am nowhere near an expert on this, and I'm learning it. I'm pretty much as as much as everybody else is as we go. I think that, I mean that's probably everybody right now. You're yeah. you're hearing you're hearing things trickle out. This team here, this team there. Michigan's talking to them. This team's going here. I mean, you hear Penn State to the ACC. Maybe you hear Iowa State looking at the Big Ten. You hear obviously Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC is what kind of got this whole ball rolling. And that seems like a like a, I mean like done a done deal. deal. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I know nothing's been officially announced, and it wouldn't happen for a couple of years, but. I don't know. I, I just find myself thinking like, what is this all going to look like? I don't, I'm, I don't think I really get too hung up on like where the teams are. I know some people really hate the idea of conference expansion or realignment or changing teams or this team going here, this team going there. Like it seems a little weird, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have like hard feelings about like, Oh, that sucks. That's the worst. Why? I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't really get that hung up. And I think at the end of the day, you've, you'll, you'll have teams where they're supposed to be, you know, for, I mean, let's be honest, a lot, the biggest reasons money that, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what a lot of it comes down to. And, you know, at the end of the day, you hope you get good games and you hope some of the rivalries are protected and you hope it turns into good football. But I don't really know if like what conference you're in, affects that all that much am yeah. i am i just like do i just not care enough i don't know that's where i i see my i see some people get so heated and i'm just like i don't i don't know i don't have that in me i don't think when it comes to the conference stuff yeah i mean th there's certain games obviously like you know when you talk about penn state maybe going to the acc like that would bum me out like i want mm -hmm. i want penn state and Michigan and Michigan state and ohio state and wisconsin like i want those programs in the same conference but I think it does speak to the fact that, you know, college football and college athletics in general is changing. And I think if you were to like, if you could hop in a time machine and go five years into the future and, and turn around and look at college football and see what it's become or college athletics in general, like there, there are some, it's almost going to be unrecognizable, right? The product that we have now versus what it's going to be five or 10 years from now, um, but you're right. Like all of it seems pretty preliminary outside of the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are definitely mm -hmm. leaving the big 12. And it sure as hell sounds like the big 12 is, is essentially going to dissolve gonna be yeah. because I, I saw, I can't remember what the team, you know, there, there were a couple programs that were looking, you know, inquiring about joining the big 12 and they were not like, no, like, I can't remember what they were, but they weren't like big players. So it seems to me like the Big 12 is going away. I don't know what's going on with the Pac-12. Obviously, the Big 10 is in discussions with certain programs, um, and the SEC is really driving the bus on this thing. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Like the, the 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 potential movement and some of the things. Like there was even a report that came out that said the SEC was, you know, actively uh, pursuing, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and, and, try, yeah. and, and, try, and trying to create like – a, uh, I think it was a 20 team super conference or something like that. So mm -hmm. who knows where this thing is ultimately going to end up, but as long as we can keep some of those traditional rivalries within the same conference, I'm okay with whatever the movement is. It's not like, you know, the university of Michigan is going to pack up and move to another part of the country. Like right, everybody, right. everybody's going to be where they're at. Um, but I, I do think it, it really speaks to just, there is a big change coming to college athletics with the NIL stuff. And now you look at the conference realignment and this is going to be an entirely different product, you know, five to 10 years from now. And it's, it's exciting. I would say if Michigan wasn't in the big 10, that would just be weird as hell. It I, don't, be. Yeah. I don't, I don't think even, I would be like mad. 
about it or like get get heated or make a huge argument yeah it, it just i just it would just be weird it would i you know referring to them as an sec team or if they yeah change the name of it or you know if it is a big mega conference or something like, i was that's gonna just, say like that's I've wild even, i've even seen like the names of the conferences changing like, i've seen put you know people putting out reports like oh these people are you know now you're in the black division or the gray division or whatever this is like that that to me is the weirdest thing like yeah you know the, the like you're so used to pac-12 big 10 sec acc um <laughs> i still i still say pac-10 once in a blue moon like or i'm Pac- sorry pac-12 did i say pac-10 no, it's no, I just, oh, I'm okay, saying like right. you said, you get so used to it. I'm like, I still am a little yeah. not used to it. Like pack 10 slips out once in a while, but yeah. no, you're right. It's, you know, the, the naming, the branding, how it looks and that it's, it's a little strange, but that's about yeah. as deep as it goes for me. But I, I've, man, I've seen some people on Twitter and different places that are like acting like someone's taking their kid. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal really, yeah. it, but there's it would still be, weird. be football on Saturdays. You're still going to go to the big house, watch Michigan compete. And like I said, as long as those, you know, the, the, the Penn state, the Michigan state, Wisconsin, Ohio state, like as long as those rivalries are still there, like I'm, I'm good with whatever happens. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I am too. That's kind of where I am too. If, if, obviously Michigan moving to a new conference and having that, that would be the weirdest for yep. obvious reasons. It's what we, it's what I grew up on. It's what we cover. It's what it's everything about what I do right now, but I still wouldn't be like mad or upset. It'd just be really strange. It's like, yep. you know, it's like any, any, you know, anytime something changes, I mean, how long does it take you to write the, write the correct freaking year on your, uh, on your papers yeah. after, after new year's you know, it's Leader, like, leaders and legends division, right? Yeah, like, it was like around for like a Michigan a and Ohio state weren't yeah. even in the same division at that point. So, you know, we've, we've gone through this a little bit before sure. and, um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but it sounds like, like even what I was reading, we were talking about this before we hopped on that even Texas and Oklahoma, to my understanding, even though it might become official before then, like it wouldn't actually change until 2026, I believe. So there's, there's still some time, like there's legislation that has to be passed. Like, I think that there are, there's a lot of red tape that people have to go through, but it certainly sounds like at least the decision for Texas and Oklahoma has been made that they're leaving. Now it's just a matter of, of, of doing what, you know, is appropriate and going through all the legalities to make that happen. There you have it. There you have it. We'll finish with a, a question or two. There were, we kind of answered some as we were going here, but they're basically the only, one of the only position groups we didn't get to. And honestly, it didn't really come up a whole lot in, in Indy. I mean, like, I think, I think over the course of the day, just about everything was talked about. Um, I don't, man, tight end might not have been mentioned at all. We talked no. about that after we left. I was going to ask did. a question about Eric all. And he he's, he's mentioned to us that he might be interested in coming on the pod with us. So we'll, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit here over the next couple of weeks before as uh, as fall camp gets going, but the receiver room, just thoughts on it. Um, good. Not great. Uh, really intriguing. A lot of speed. A couple different kinds of guys. You throw Dalen Baldwin in the mix. The transfer from uh, man, where did he come from? His last school was it? Was it Morgan uh, State? I don't think it was Morgan State. No, I think he was. I think, he was, I think he was maybe. I think he was there, and then he went somewhere else, and now he's at Michigan. Anyway, Southfield kid from from the area. Um, so he's a bigger body. You've got Cornelius Johnson, a bigger body. You've got Ronnie Bell, who you know, everybody knows Ronnie Bell, what you're going to get out of him at this point. And then you've got the intriguing younger guys. You've got Roman Wilson in year two, speed, speed, speed. You've got A.J. Henning, who's got a lot of speed in year two. 
You've got uh, Andrew Anthony. Oh, we did hear a little bit about Andrew Anthony. Yeah, uh, Harbaugh had some pretty. Good Harbaugh things thinks to say he's going to be really, really good, is what he said. So Harbaugh is very high on Andrew. There we go. Jackson State. Jackson State is where Dalen okay. Baldwin came from. Um, and then you've got uh, Christian Dixon, who got a little bit of a mention as well. I mean, it's an intriguing group. It's a talented group. Like I said, you've got some speed. Mike Sainer still can't leave him out. Yeah. I think he's he's poised to be. I think Harbaugh did say. Those would be his three guys, right? He said Cornelius Johnson, Mikey Sane was still, and obviously Ronnie Bell would, you know, if they were playing tomorrow, those would be the first three receivers on the field. But I, yeah. I, I think you're going to see a lot of Roman Wilson. I think you're going to see a lot of AJ Henning. Curious to see if Dalen Baldwin is, is valuable for the team in a, you know, in his transfer season. So, uh, feels a lot like a lot of the other groups. There's talented yeah. guys there on paper. You hope that they can step up, but we just, we got to wait and see a little bit on a few of them. I mean, I, yep. I got a lot of confidence in the athletic ability of AJ Henning and Roman Wilson, but they haven't done a, a lot yet. You know, the right. their true freshman season was only six games long, and they touched the ball you know five or six times. That was it. So, right. And, and if you look at, and that goes back to like the quarterback position, like you, you haven't really seen. You know, that that is another long running theme. Like you talk about a guy like Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, Tariq Black. Like you, it, like what is the last Michigan wide receiver you saw utilized, you know, to, to, to their full potential? Like, so I think they've got a talented group. I'm, I'm really high on Roman Wilson. I like his quickness. I think he's one of those, like, I know you hate the phrase. I hate it too, but that whole speed and space. Like, if, if you look at this roster, nothing really, the only thing about it that screams speed and space is the receiver group. Like they're all those smaller shifty type quick guys who, you know, you can get them in the flat or you can get them like on a short pass and get them the ball and just let them sort of make their move. Now, Cornelius Johnson's obviously your deep threat. Um, and Ronnie Bell is the veteran who can pretty much do anything on the field, but you know, th they just haven't had a quarterback who can help them get to the next level and make them better. So I, I really think, I like a lot of what's going on in the running or the, the wide receiver room, but the quarterback's got to get them the ball and they've got to figure it out. And we just haven't seen that throughout the hardball tenure yet. Wide receivers like Michigan has can be weapons if, if schemed correctly and, yeah. and if, if thrown to in the right way. And it's like, yeah. they're so dependent on everything else. You know, I mean, like every position's kind of like that, but I feel like receiver is like, you got to scheme them open and you, you got to get them the ball. They, they, they're, they're so dependent on what everything else right. is going on. Like running backs kind of that way too. You got to have O line, got to have good play calling, but like you can't even get like a receiver can't even get the ball unless they're schemed open or they're just phenomenal at, at route running and, and you right. know, getting a release or whatever. So it's just one of those positions where like, we, yeah, I'm with you. We haven't seen a lot of production there from some of the most talented guys on the team. I mean, like literally when, when Michigan had Donovan Peoples Jones, Tariq Black, and Nico Collins, there was like a thought that that was like maybe the best wide receiver group in the country outside yeah. of Alabama. Yeah. And it just never even got close to producing that way. Yep. And so, you know, obviously Tariq Black was hurt and it, it just didn't turn into much. And, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones looks like a steal for the Browns as a sixth rounder and he's already. Had a had a game in the NFL with more receiving yards than he ever yeah. had at Michigan. It's just like, what the hell, man? How does they, that happen? They've got enough talent in that group to be great. The the question is whether or not they'll be utilized the right way. And if they've got a quarterback on that roster that can get them the ball and help them, you know, be the best that they can be on the field. But but talent wise, I like that group. I think it's a really solid group that they have. If you put uh yeah, I mean they've got they've got six guys. I that we I feel like we know a decent amount 
about. Yeah. I mean, they haven't produced a lot, but like, you know, receivers are, you know, they don't touch the ball 20 times a game. You right. get, a, you know, if you get a receiver, the ball six, eight times, that's a really good game. So we've seen a little bit out of some of those guys that not, not much out of the, out of the speedier, the speedier duo of Roman Wilson and AJ Henning, but you you saw some flashes. I mean, you know what they can do based on their athleticism. Uh, Stainer still, I think is going to have to step up like before when Giles Jackson was still on the roster, kind of felt like he had two of those guys. Like it's like yep. Sainer still or Jackson, who's going to play, who needs more reps, who's going to be in there. Well, now you've only got one. So you expect Mikey Sainer still to get a bigger role this year and make some plays. think, you know what you're going to get out of or, or Ronnie even Bell. Or even AJ Henning to step into that yeah. role. Like to me, AJ Henning and, and Sainer still are kind of like the, you know, they're in a similar boat. Like I yeah. think one of those two guys is going to be the replacement for Giles Jackson, who, by the way, extremely talented, didn't really do a lot while he was here. Not on Giles. I, I don't put that necessarily on him, but I don't think we saw nearly what he's fully capable of. And I'm sure as hell hoping we don't see it week two. <laughs> I was going to say, we might, we might still. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to want yeah. to. And I, 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 that's funny that you mentioned that. I wonder how much coaches they're like, you know, Jimmy Lake and his offensive coordinator and receiver coach at Washington. And they're like, let's, let's show them yeah. that they screwed up and that yeah. this guy's a weapon. And he, I mean, he's talented. There's no doubt about it. He's fast. He's talented. He's shifty. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting storyline. Little, little mini storyline. Obviously there's a lot more going on in that one than just how Giles Jackson does, but I'm sure a lot yeah. of Michigan fans will be watching that. So there we go, man. A lot of topics we covered. Finally got a chance to sit down and talk media days. I feel good about that. We got a little bit more content coming out of there today. Just want probably to say even... go blue <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know what Chris is doing there. They there was a dude there. Yeah, they probably do. There was a dude at the, at the media days that was, I mean, he might as well have had a, bl a mason blue foam finger on while he was asking questions. <laughs> like, like he ripped off his his winged helmet and was like, "Jim, I love you." And then he would ask his question. I mean, he I don't know, man. Like, Chris, Chris and I have not hid the fact that we grew up Michigan fans and we still are, and we want them to win. But like, dude, when you're at a press conference, you don't go up there acting like you're part of the team and cheering for him and rah rah. That's just not. That's just not the movie. But it in was fact, funny. It was funny, and it created hilarious. a great and, and it created a, a a a good drop in the future for us. We really hope to have that audio thing figured out, maybe within the next week or so, where we can instead of us having to do it and then explain it because then it's not funny. Right. <laughs> we could just <laughs> we could just hit we could just hit the button and it'll it'll fly through. So we're gonna try to get that squared away. But no, I was gonna say, I saw some people on Twitter. And, and around different places, you know, talking about that, that dude that acted like that. And like, what's the big deal? He likes Michigan. He's there. He's like, I've seen people get kicked out of the press box before for, for less than that. Yeah. You just, I don't know. There's like a, there's like an, un, I don't even know if it's unwritten. I mean, before every Michigan game, they announce in the press box, this is a working press box. You are not to cheer. You are not to clap. You are not to get animated or excited. Like that's not what you're there for. Like right. when I'm watching Michigan from the press box, I want them to win every game. But I don't, I don't express that. It's just not what that setting is for. It's just kind of one of those, you can call it dumb if you want to, but it's one of those old, unwritten type of rule things that when you're a member of the media, that's just not what you do. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like, I don't hate that guy, but it was just funny. It was like, dude, what are you doing? I think it's hilarious. 
I love what it. Are you, what are you doing, bro? It. So just so anyway. people know before we hop off. So obviously next week is going to be a huge week for us live on the podcast. Monday, we've got Mozzie Smith coming on. I'm really excited to talk to him based on everything we heard coming out of Big Ten Media Days. It sounds like he's going to be somebody who um, is, is a critical part of what's going on in that defensive line. And then Wednesday, we bring on Alan Bowman. And I think this might be the, the first interview uh, Bowman's going to do. And I Michigan fans don't really know much about this guy. And so, you know, it's going to be great to have the opportunity to, to sit down, talk with him a little bit and kind of get a sense of where his head is at, um, you know, coming into this year for Michigan. And then finally we close out the week with, you know, Blake Corum, who I, I've, I've, I've not shied away from it. I'm very high on, I think that this dude is, is going to show out in 2021. I think that he is going to be the workhorse um, in that running back room. And so we've got a really solid, solid lineup coming up this week, man. I'm excited to talk to all these guys because I think each and every one of them are um, very, very intriguing. Like the, yeah, their, their story sure. and, and where they're sort of at heading into this season. It's, it's very intriguing. I don't know if I ever actually said it when we were talking about the running back room in Blake Corum, but Jim Harbaugh called Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins like running back one and one. He said like one they're, and one. Yeah. they're both starters. Like the, So, you know, we anticipate a big year out of Corum and that he's going to play a lot and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some good stuff from him when we talk to him and he he might be back uh, frequently. We're, we're kind Fingers of crossed, yeah. figuring that out a little bit. Just some more stuff for you guys to be thinking about and looking forward to. We're going to... a not attempt. We are going to have a recurring guest throughout the season. We're just trying to zero in on who that might be and who would who would who would do a good job with it, who we would enjoy having, who would bring the best information, who's who's good at interviews. I mean, that's part of it. Like, you know, not every guy can sit up here and talk for 30 minutes. I mean, so we've yeah. got to we've got to kind of figure that out a little bit. And that that's not only are these these appearances that we're getting right now cool. I mean, it's great. It's awesome to talk to these guys. I'm sure you guys would all rather hear them than us. But it's also kind of like, you know, figuring out like, okay, who's good? Who's good to have? Who's Who would be a good guest? Who can we bring back over and over? And honestly, I'm super excited for the guys, man, with this NIL stuff that they can earn a little money, that they can get a platform to talk about whatever they want. And they, they've been like all about it. I've just yeah. been, I've been so excited, man, that they've been open to it and, and eager to, to join us and, and talk about whatever they might want to talk about. And we'll get into that. I'm sure more as the weeks move on and, and shoot, we're what we're 12 days from camp. I, I mean, I was going to say, and as a side note, I'm, you know, I'm already working on guests for the following week after next week. And so it's not, you know, we're, we're going to, as Brandon said, continue to try to do this because obviously I think people out there would rather hear Michigan football players talk about things than, than listen well, to us to Yahoo's talk about. I mean, we're, we're kind of making a joke about that, but it's, it's absolutely true too, because yeah. in the years past, we, we didn't get anything. We didn't, we didn't get any availability during this time. And, and, you know, it was limited. And during the season, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, we get to talk to some players, but it's one player surrounded by 40 media people. And they're just trying to get out of there. This is a much different setting, and I think if if any if if how it went with JJ is any indication of how it could go for everybody, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm really excited yeah, about it, and I think the I think the players are going to enjoy it too. So really good stuff today. A lot of stuff from Media Day. We'll have a little bit more certainly today, and maybe even tomorrow. I don't know, man. I mean, when you spend two days there, you get a lot of stuff. You can't. You almost can't do. You can't use it all. You just can't. Yeah. That's, we, we'd yep. be doing that for a month if we did. But yep. a couple more things coming today. Hear from Ohio State players. Hear from. Uh, from us, we're gonna we we took a what what do you want to call it? I don't want to say we took some jabs, but we 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 were judgy. We were judgy. <laughs> we judged all fourteen Big Ten head coaches and gave our our slightly comedic uh, opinion on what they did and what they looked like up on the podium. And then yeah. uh, 
yeah, man, bunch of good stuff. Talked to Bruce Melvin, got that up earlier today. Chris put up a basketball article a little bit ago. So keeping it flowing, man. 12 days till camp, and then we're really drinking from a fire hose. So appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night with Mozzie Smith at 7, 7 o'clock, right? 7 o'clock, yep. 7 all, Eastern. All, all these dudes are, I think, going to be at 7 unless there's a reason for, for a change. So appreciate everybody listening. We will be, we will be back tomorrow. Thank you.